We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What a night in college basketball. We've seen one possession games left and right. Michigan State doesn't need a one or two possession game this evening. The Spartans seem to keep coming on. We saw a royal meltdown coming in Madison. We'll get to that. We might have a special guest over the course of the hour. And who knows what will happen with Carter Elliott and Sean Paul. I'm John Fanta. Feel the 68 after dark. It's time for headlines right off the top. Carter, what's your headline off the top of this show? Uh, my headline is that it's time for people to wake up and know that the Spartans are a guaranteed top three team in the Big Ten this year, and we will compete for a title. We're ready to compete with the Purdue's. We're ready for Illinois. We're ready for Ohio State. We're ready for whoever this year. Michigan, too, as well. We are ready. I didn't think we would be, but I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Tyson Walker's waking up, so I'm in a happy mood right now, Santa. My headline um, is – yeah, my headline is Johnny Davis continues looking like a Big Ten Player of the Year candidate. I'm not going to say he's going to win it, but he had 23 today, averaging over 20 per game this season. Was a solid contributor last year, but that Wisconsin team lost a lot of its players. Demetrius Trice, Aleem Ford, Micah Potter, Nate Reavers, all gone from the program. That allowed Johnny Davis to step up, and he's made the most of it so far. Wisconsin picks up a big comeback win against Indiana. Um, my headline is Taz Sherman played like a pro tonight. Uh, he made every play for West Virginia. Uh, Sean McNeil coming back from an injury doesn't do much of anything in the second half. And Taz Sherman was fantastic. Uh, and that tonight in Morgantown, that's where I am. Uh, we saw a game in which UConn is up by three points with four minutes on the clock. They're up by three. They scored two points in the final four minutes. And frankly, offensively, they they broke down. They broke down to Bob Huggins and a 1-3-1 zone that involved trapping, that involved high pressure. Uh, and credit to Huggy Berry, he pulled one out of his sleeve and made it work. And it worked really, really well down the stretch. They eliminated R.J. Cole from the equation because Cole had to give up the basketball. And right now for Connecticut, without Tyrese Martin and without – Adama Sanogo, they don't have enough sources of offense if some of their perimeter shooters aren't hitting threes. It's a lot to expect Jordan Hawkins, a freshman, to be a double-digit guy. He can be. He will be this season. He will be this season. First true road game, totally different animal. You're shorthanded. 
You're at West Virginia. UConn had a tough loss tonight in a game that they should have closed out and won. Shorthanded or not, Connecticut was the better team for a good portion of this game, and they fell short tonight. Having said this, I've seen on Twitter, it's a trend. It's a bad sign. Um, We can't finish. Folks, that's overreacting. That's overreacting. You know, you, you lost tonight because, frankly, you shot three for 23 from three. How many times is a team going to do that? Uh, it's just not going to happen much. And it happened to them tonight, and they got bit uh, for offensively really not getting clean looks late in the game. You got to credit West Virginia. You can both lose a game that you should have closed out one and not hit the panic button in early December. Take a breath, UConn Husky folks. I know you're passionate, but I'm seeing a lot of people get worked up right now about a team that lost at Morgantown down two starters. Do you know how many teams are going to overcome being down two starters and win in Morgantown? Uh, nobody's going to win easily without two starters, nor alone win. Uh, so my, my thought off the top is credit to West, West Virginia. Taz Sherman's one of the best players in the country. I don't even think he gets talked about enough. Tonight he was fantastic. But also acknowledge the fact that if you think the sky is falling in stores, you're out of your mind, out of your mind. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of other teams where the sky is really falling. If you're a Pittsburgh basketball fan, then you really need to think the sky is falling. If you're a Washington basketball fan, a Missouri basketball fan, the sky is really falling. I'm still, like you said, fans, I'm still impressed with this UConn team. Like, like you said, whether West Virginia is the team they've been in the past or not, you're going into West Virginia. That's a tough place to play no matter what. Nobody wants to play there. It doesn't matter how much talent on that team, how good that team is. And you're down two starters and you're in a game that you easily could have won if you could have put the ball in the hole. You have games like that. It sucks, but, like, this is definitely not the end all. <laughs> you you definitely got to bounce back. Rob Dowser, if you're listening to this, put the bottle down. It'll be okay, big dog. You'll be all right. <laughs> I think he took a walk. He reflected. Sean, what was your thought process on the West Virginia-UConn game? I came away impressed with UConn still. I mean, it's not just that they were down two starters. It's two really high-caliber players and probably their two best players. Adama Sanogo was a first-team All-Big East guy this season, without a doubt. He's been their go-to option on offense all year. And what Tyrese Martin brings defensively and rebounding doesn't always show up on the stat sheet, but he's one of the more valuable players in the Big East. So not having those two guys in this kind of tough game, it's tough for UConn, but they were able to compete. Yeah. So Dan Hurley says post-game to the press, okay, quote, just worried with this group, the way it's currently constituted, of where we go with the ball on offense. And a lot of people equivocate that to that the coach doesn't know where to go. Folks, he knows where to go with the ball on offense. If you're shooting three for 23 from three-point land, there's nothing a coach can do. They got clean looks early in the game. We sometimes get so far in the weeds with coaching and don't always look at what personnel needs to be doing in the course of the game. Guys got to hit shots too. I literally say this all the time. Basketball is a really simple game when it gets down to it. It's about putting the orange thing in the hoop that's 10 feet off the ground. Like that is literally what it comes down to. You can draw up anything you want you could do the best plays in the country it doesn't matter if you're not making shots that's how you win basketball games yeah and, and i give credit to west virginia so what do they do they trap uconn in half courts they say rj cole you're going to get rid of the ball jordan hawkins had a tough night tonight he's a freshman 
It's his first road game. If that's not how you, if that's now how you think of him, you're short-sighted. You're short-sighted. Um, you know, I'm not one to get too deep into this, but according to our friends at Bet Rivers, West Virginia was favored in this game, a slight favored in this game. Should UConn have won the game? All three of us are saying they probably should have closed this game out tonight. But again, does it sting in the now? Yes. But if you get that worked up about it and say that now that's what you think of this team, they're down two starters, people. They're going to be a different team when they get back to full strength. We've already seen that. Do not hit the panic button. Do not hit the panic button. That would be ridiculous at this stage. The Connecticut Huskies are good enough to be at the top of the Big East Conference. There, I said it. I said No, that's it. true. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think a lot of people still believe Villanova until somebody proves otherwise. I agree with that to a degree. I don't agree with it to the level that I thought at the beginning of the season because I've seen Villanova show me a little bit of vulnerability at times that maybe UConn can capitalize. UConn has a size factor. They have a physicality factor. They defend. They had a terrible night from the floor. We're talking god-awful. And they lost to West Virginia in Morgantown by a possession. Yeah, that's not bad at all, for real. And the only question I would ask, and I would ask, I would actually ask you guys this, like, out of the games you saw, who's, like, going to be the closer down the stretch for UConn? I mean, are they going to throw it into Sonogo down the stretch? Because I'm always a believer that you got to have a guard that has the ball in their hand down the stretch, making decisions, whether it be to pass or score. Is RJ Cole that guy? Are they going to have Tyrese Martin be that guy? I mean, or are they just going to say, you know, Sonogo's our best player. Let's just throw it down low to him and let him make a play. For me, for me, it's RJ Cole because he can hit a three. He's a good playmaker. The ball will probably end up with Sonogo at some point, but RJ Cole's able to set the table. He can score. He's a reliable free throw shooter. So I feel like you can feel comfortable with him having the ball in his hands late. He's not going to make too many mistakes. Is he a James Booknight type of player? No, but he's a solid veteran presence that won't panic under pressure. Yeah. Um. So, look, this is a close game. West Virginia comes away with the win. West Virginia is a team that they'll make the tournament. Um, And I I think that it's a good win for them. Sherman and McNeil, that dynamic, excellent. Um, And and they played well. And Bob Huggins showed why he, frankly, should be in the Hall of Fame. It's the biggest snub out there. It really is. Um, Robert Huggins, as he was referred to tonight. (laughs) Yeah, so let me tell the story here. Let me tell the story. So in Morgantown tonight, I've never covered a game at the West Virginia Coliseum. And the PA announcer before the game, there's like five minutes to go and the lights go out and a spotlight comes on. And they go, ladies and gentlemen, the fourth all-time winningest coach in college basketball, active, winningest coach, Bob or Robert Huggins. And I go, well, first off, Robert, but second off, I have never, I have never seen a coach get introduced by himself like that before the teams come out of the tunnels. He walks out of the tunnel, total go move with the spotlight, gives a big wave, places going nuts, and he goes over to his little bench area. In my next, in my next life, I want to be Bob Huggins. The guy's never paid for a drink in Morgantown. He doesn't need a ride. I've experienced the Morgantown community today. Nicest people ever. They love their basketball. It's the show in town. 
Bob Huggins is going to ride off into the sun. He should ride off into the sun as a Hall of Famer. He's won everywhere he goes. And we, I kind of think the Big 12, like, that you can always count on West Virginia to be a factor. True or not true? True. Yeah. I mean, you look at you look at what they lost last year with Miles McBride going pro, Derek Culver going pro. Those were probably your two best players last year. They're gone. He's able to supplement the roster a little bit, add some portal pieces. Uh, Damon Kerrigan, Polly Polycap, Gabe Osaboyan back, and Taz Sherman's really taking a step up, like you said earlier, Fanta. They had a bad year a couple of years ago, but besides that, Huggins has had them consistent every single season that he's been in Morgantown. Yeah, that when you're that good, when you're that great of a coach, you don't have real down years, like not not miss the tournament type years. And he's always going to compete in the Big 12. He's got he's got clout in the Big 12. You know what I'm saying? Like he's going to be good. And no matter what happens, when you have the heat check player of the year and Sean McNeil, wait till my guy gets healthy. My, my guy can go off for 15 points in a matter of two minutes at any given time. You do not want to give that man space. You do not want to let him get hot. You know, they still, I mean, they got, they got a nice little one, two punch with him and Sherman. So I'm not really counting them out. And like you said, when you have Huggins at the helm, they'll always be good. All right, let's turn to the big 10 tonight. Indiana is in full control. They look like they're going to make the statement of the season in the big 10 thus far. They unravel, they fall. Wisconsin 64, Indiana 59. Guys, is Johnny Davis one of the five best players in college basketball right now? That's tough. I mean, five, I mean, try to, I guess, try to think of five better players. And in my head, you got to put Jaden Ivey probably ahead, Kofi Coburn, uh, Drew Timmy probably, Paulo Bancaro. Bancaro. Yeah, so is is Davis five? I, I think that could be the case. I mean, he's been pretty incredible, and it's the timely shots he's hit too. It's not just he's hitting shots early in the game and not doing much late. He's hit timely shots. He hit the game winner essentially in this one, step back three pointer, which gave Wisconsin the lead with thirty seconds left, and they didn't look back. So I think it's fair to say he's been one of the five best players in the country this year. Yeah, and I think it's the way he's scoring as well. Like I, I, I can't really think off the top of my head the last time they, that, you know, Wisconsin's had like a dynamic three level score. You know, I think like great post players like Ethan Happ or like you know just other different different players that have played for Wisconsin in the past. And you know, Johnny Davis is just really good scoring at all three levels. He always plays under control. You never can speed him up. He's gonna get to his spots, and he's literally just continuing the trend of everyone who played for that under-19 team this year just having a breakout oh, yeah. year. I mean, you have the Edies, uh, the Benedict, Arizona. I mean, all these guys are just breaking out after big, you know, summers with the U-19 teams for their respective countries. So, you know, mm-hmm. we saw it coming. During, you can see the work has continued after that. And, is, you know, you can see the work this year. So I would, I would say that right now I'd put him fifth. I think that Johnny Davis is exceptional in every way right now, in the way that he scores the ball, like you just said. Johnny, wait, Johnny Davis or Colin Gillespie, Fanta? <laughs> I put Johnny Davis ahead of Colin yeah. Gillespie right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but, but we'll get back to that later in the show. <laughs> Johnny Davis, to me, is a guy on a team that, frankly, is limited offensively beyond him, mm-hmm. that, but a team that makes up for their offensive deficiencies with great defense and great rebounding. And you have a star player who can fill it up and an athlete. I mean, his athleticism really jumps out. That's the unique dynamic to Wisconsin. And I got to say, on the Doster T.O. Uh, Fanta podcast earlier today, 
I said, I still am murky on, on Wisconsin because I get worried about if Davis is off, what happens with them beyond him. But tonight is a night where for this to happen in December, this is the type of game that just inspires such a confidence in a group. They were dead and buried, dead and buried. And by the same token, for heaven's sake, if you're Indiana right now, you know, you lost in heartbreaking fashion to Syracuse last week. You lose this game tonight. Indiana really struggles from beyond the arc. Um, additionally, the, the, the problem that I have is what happened to Trace Jackson Davis in this game? Like, he should never have nine points, period. Not just him. That's on, that's on everybody involved there. You got to get him. He's your All-American. Tonight, he got beat. And, and Indiana got beat. They failed to close this game. Um, I think it says more about Wisconsin and the fact that Johnny Davis is special. But, man, what a disappointment for Indiana. And some people were saying, oh, it's not a backbreaker. It's a backbreaker because of how you lost the game. That's yeah. it. Yep. When you're up like that in Madison, you have to seize the day. Yeah, especially in Madison. Like, it is so hard as a Big Ten basketball fan. You guys know it, not even as Big Ten basketball. It is so hard to win at the Cole Center. Like, you have to take advantage when you have a team like Wisconsin on the ropes there. Otherwise, what happened tonight is going to happen. And look, you know, I'm not saying that Trace Jackson Davis has to shoot it every time or he has to go and have a 40-point game every time, but he needs to touch the ball every single possession. Like, it's a threat, and it's better for an Indiana team if he's touching the ball. If he touches the ball, people are going to be looking at him. Everyone's focused at him. He can either see a double team and get a shooter or a cutter, or if you check him one-on-one, and no disrespect to Tyler Wall from Wisconsin, but that is food. Trace Jackson Davis, that he can – Tyler Wall cannot check Trace Jackson Davis. So the fact that they were going possessions at a time without touches was just very, very strange, especially in a game where you're up. Like, just work the clock and throw it into your All-American and get and get, get back home to Indiana. Like, it should have been easy. Yeah, and they did a really good job doubling him in the first half. He did pass the ball pretty well, but I feel like they got away from giving him, giving him the ball at all in the second half, kind of like you said. Trace Jackson Davis should never have be four for ten in a game only attempting 10 shots. You got to get him the ball more. You got to get him to the foul line because they're always going to be looking at what Trace Jackson Davis is doing. And Parker Stewart had a pretty good first half, didn't do much in the second half. I think that was a pretty big thing for Indiana too. But for Wisconsin, Chucky Hepburn has been really impressive. He's not a big-time scorer right now and maybe never will be, but he's already one of the best on-ball defenders in the Big Ten. He's been very impressive as a freshman. He's been very impressive as a freshman. And uh, T.J. Wall's ability to rebound the basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, can't, can't say it enough. I mean, he had 12 rebounds tonight. One thing about Indiana is as sloppy as they sometimes can be, they've got length. I mean, they, they, that's a team that, that I, I saw last week. I watched much of their Syracuse game. I was impressed with, with what they were able to do on the interior at times in that game. I just thought that Wall was great in this win. Okay, it's time. It's time. It is time to talk Michigan State University Spartans basketball. Unlike, unlike, unlike the Indiana Hoosiers, we don't have a loss in our Big Ten column. We started off conference play strong, went on the road, tough environment in Minnesota. Ben Johnson's got the boys fired up, and we came out of there with a win. Tyson Walker played well tonight. And this is this was my favorite part of the night, Fanta, is that I saw an aggressive Tyson Walker. You know, you watch all these games last year against Northeastern, and 
he was just so good on ball screens. And when people didn't, if big men weren't hedging on him, he was letting it fly. Or if they hedged too hard, he was going past and scoring at the rim, if not passing it to other people. This was a game where he was like feeling disrespected that they were going under ball screens on him. He's like, okay, you're going to go under ball screens to catch these blessings. Okay. And I love seeing it. I need him to be aggressive. It makes our team way more dynamic if he's aggressive. And if we're going to get this version of Malik Hall as well at the four position throughout the year, then I'm really happy with where our team is at right now at the start of Big Ten play. Because in all honesty, I didn't think that we would be at this point yet. So it's a breath of fresh air to see that we're playing this well of basketball right now. Granted, it is Minnesota, but it's still good to see us playing a good brand of basketball right now. Yeah, that's a really good point about Tyson Walker not being super aggressive early on in the season, because that's kind of a trend I've noticed throughout the past few years with mid-major guards going up levels. They're not super aggressive their first few weeks, month, couple months in the program. Kind of saw that with Mike Smith, I feel like, last year, going from Columbia to Michigan, then he really started to get it going late, hit shots, hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. So that's the thing I could see Tyson Walker doing a lot more of because he is a really dynamic scorer, really quick, can really shoot the ball. He just hadn't taken a ton of threes uh, before this game. He hit two today, two for two. I think he's going to take more of those as the season goes on, and we're going to see more of the Tyson Walker we kind of all expected Michigan State to have because he is a really good player. He is a a really good player. I think he got overwhelmed on opening night at Madison Square Garden So then again, we say, oh, he's not cut out for it, or we don't know, or this is a huge question mark. Look, Tyson Walker's gotten better and better and better. And what is Michigan State? Carter, to me, they're a team that, like, when I watch them play, even on opening night live, and when I've watched them play since, what I know is, is that they've got size, an effective size inside. They're going to make you work for what you get there. They're going to defend offensively. They have some pieces that can benefit from a playmaking guard. So to me, Malik Hall and Gabe Brown, they're coming around because there's not too much pressure on them to do both, to do everything. Tyson Walker kind of eases everything in that offense. Is that, is that correct to say that he's that key to the puzzle that was missing last year? Exactly, because when you're guarding a ball screen, it's way easier to guard a ball screen and a team in general if you don't have to worry about that guard coming off the screen. You know, if you don't have to worry about that, that big man doesn't have to get out there, doesn't have to show at all, doesn't have to really doesn't have to work at all. The guard who's guarding the ball screen doesn't have to work to get over the screen. It just makes things so stagnant. It just opens so many things up when Tyson Walker is coming off a ball screen and he can pull up or he can dish to a Gabe Brown or he can, you know, drop it off to a Marcus Bingham who has had a a great year. So I cannot say many good, too much more good things about what Marcus Bingham's done this year, both defensively and even giving us some on the offensive end. And he's been defensive rebounding as well. So I hope we keep it up. Tyson Walker, oh, oh, this oh, is oh, a breakout. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I got I'm pausing the show here. You know, as, as producer Greg said before the show, that sometimes on these editions of After Dark, we like to take the car off the road a little bit uh, where maybe it's not willing to go sometimes. So they just posted a tweet as we're live right now and said, is Michigan state good enough to compete for the big 10 title now? Now, now that was, that was not the topic that we were discussing on this show, Um, but we're going to discuss it now because the definitive answer um, is it, is that the Purdue Boilermakers are going to win the big 10 championship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't think Michigan state's going to really compete for it. All right, Sean, let's relax. I mean, 
I, I, they're good. They're top 25, but I don't think they're better than Michigan at the end of the day. Don't think they're better than Illinois. I'm thinking Michigan, like Michigan, Michigan, Michigan doesn't even have a number next to their name right now. It just says Michigan playing rankings don't matter. Michigan's going to get it going. They've looked better recently. Oh, oh, oh. Caleb Houston's finding his jumper. Yeah. Rankings, yeah. rankings where we rank how we feel teams will be not what they've done in the past week. Colorado Look. state's still not ranked by the way. I mean, oh my gosh, Sean, let it go, man. Here? We're talking about the big 10, but no Purdue <laughs> Purdue's on another no, no, level. No, let me, let me jump in. Michigan state is good enough to compete. Yes. In the Big Ten and for the Big Ten championship. But, man, I just cannot see a world where Zach Eady, Travion Williams, Stefanovic first, of course, a lottery pick in Jaden Ivey. Do you see a world where, where one, is Purdue going to lose a game in Mackey this year? I'd say probably not. Uh-uh. Maybe one time. And they're the best team in this league. They're the best team in this league. If they defend even half as good as some of the teams in the Big Ten, they're going to win the Big Ten. And you know what? It's not a slight against Michigan State, as much as this is the reality of the situation. Could Michigan State beat Purdue? It's college basketball. Yeah, on a given day, they could. They mm-hmm. could beat Purdue. There's a difference between best team on a day and who the best team is over the course of three months. And I'm not going to sit here and start saying that, that Purdue's not going to win the Big Ten. Let's call spade a spade. If the Purdue Boilermakers didn't win the Big Ten, it'd be a major disappointment, a major disappointment for Matt Painter's program. That team yeah. has too much talent not to. That's, right? that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. That's the thing about Purdue is let's say Zach Eady's having an off night. You bring in a Travion Williams. Let's say some another. Let's say uh, I don't know. Stevanovich is having a bad shooting night. You bring in a guy like Newman to knock down some shots. Like this team just has so many weapons, and you just have a team that literally a perfect equation right now of a bunch of guys playing their role and excelling in their roles. And then at the end of the day, you can talk all you want, but Jaden Ivey's the most dynamic player in college basketball right now. Literally, when I watch him play basketball, it's like watching John Morant play. To be honest, it, I mean he's on another level for all the doubters who said he wasn't going to take his little sophomore year jump. He's literally taking a jump. And I think doing even a little bit more of what people thought he was going to do. So they're doing amazing. Uh, They are the big 10 favorite right now. If I had to pick somebody to win the big 10, it would be them. And honestly, I would hate to say it, but I think they're going to win the big 10 pretty comfortably. I don't think it's going to really going to be a battle uh, to be honest. Uh, And I think, you know, Painter and the boys are going to get it done. They're playing real good basketball right now. Here's one thing with Purdue. They didn't add any transfers this offseason. They're typically not a big transfer school. They had Jihad Proctor a few years ago, but they're usually a development program, like we've seen plenty of times. Isaac Haas, Zach Eady now, Travion Williams. They usually develop their guys. I think it's pretty interesting to see how successful they've been early in the season with all their guys knowing each other and all that. I definitely think they're the best team in the country right now, but when it comes down to it, I think – their early season success is in big part because they don't have guys trying to learn each other's style and how they play because of the transfers. Like we've seen that occasionally with schools that add a bunch of transfers, it takes time for them to gel. That doesn't have to happen for Purdue. Everybody returned. Caleb first is new, but everybody else returned from last year, except for uh, Aaron Wheeler. That was the only loss. Yeah. Speaks volumes. And, and I think that what happens at the top of the big 10 after Purdue is fascinating. I think Michigan state could be number two in the big 10. I think Ohio state could be number two. I think on their best day, on their best day, 
I still believe that the Illinois Fighting Illini are going to be number two in the Big Ten, no worse than three or four. I'm going to Michigan. Yeah, I'll go Michigan, Michigan too. I, yeah, I think that Michigan has the pieces. They just are one of those teams, like Sean just mentioned, they have a lot of new pieces. They got to figure it out. What about their backcourt? I, I, I've seen enough Devontae Jones to, to kind of put in the same conversation as I had about Tyson Walker earlier. Sometimes these mid-major guards going up take time to get going. I think that's kind of what we're seeing with Devontae Jones. Like, he was too good last year at Coastal Carolina, and he he made big-time impact plays. He was good at the G League elite camp. I don't think he's just going to be, like, kind of an okay player. I think he's really going to get it going here as we get into conference play. So who's better, Michigan or Michigan State? Michigan. Michigan State. Right now, Michigan State is better. Right now, probably, yeah. But if we're talking two months from now, give me Michigan. Okay, well, I don't really like the I – I don't got a crystal ball here to look into the future. I'm talking about right in this, right in this moment on After Dark, right now, Michigan State is the better basketball team. That's fair, but – that's fair. That's true. But, but I do want to say, Sean, to your point with Devontae Jones, I think it's a, lot of, it's a lot of fixable things with him. Like, it's things that he's being hesitant. Like, you have moments where he's passing up open threes – uh, like he's just a bad three-point shooter or just doing like uh, very, mm-hmm. very odd fouls, like 90 feet from the basket that just kind of throw the flow off and get him in foul trouble. I think it's a lot of fixable things. I think Jawan and the coaching staff there, that's something they can kind of get it together. Uh, there's a lot of fixable things with this Michigan team. Now they can't wait too long. Big 10 play is here. So you got to get it going, but I think they're taking steps towards fixing that. And I'm not really worried about Devontae Jones. I think he's going to get together. Like you said, Sean, at Coastal Carolina last year, we saw what he could do. He was incredible. Combine, yeah, saw I mean, it too. You know, I'm not worried about him. So, so we have a tweet that came in. I love checking our tweets. Tonight's tweet is from a, a follower named Prim, P-R-I-M-M-Z-X. Hey, East Coast Machine Goodman. Care to ever tweet or mention Arizona basketball? Homer. George responds, relax, B, it's a shtick. Arizona fans alums have been giving Goodman grief over lack of Arizona love for 10-plus years now. Okay. So, Jeff Goodman, if anyone's going to talk Arizona basketball, it's Jeff. So, to Prim, calm down. And we're Mm going to talk Arizona basketball right now because I'm intrigued. And Arizona has Illinois this weekend. Um, Azulis Tubelis, the length that he imposes. I've seen this kid play a couple times. I'm very impressed tonight. Benedict Matherin is having a big time game. Like what I love about coach Lloyd's team is they can really guard and they can rack up easy buckets on the attack. This is a team that has a level of depth has multiple rebounders who can get you five, six rebounds a game. Um, and the ability to defend, and I'm really interested to see Tubelis go up against Kobe Coper in this weekend. Should Arizona basketball be treated as a team that can make the elite eight this season? I'm, I'm going to say absolutely. This is a team, if uh, Greg Waddell would uh, attest to this, he asked me before the season started, there's Twitter receipts. Who, who's won Dark Horse Final Four team? And I said Arizona. So I definitely think that's still the case. Christian Coloco's taken a major step up this season. I'm curious to see what he does against Coburn. He shut down Hunter Dickinson. Tubelis is able to stretch the floor. He hasn't taken as many threes as I thought he would, but he can score at all three levels. Benedict Matherin's shown a little more versatility to his game this season. 
Kirk Creason never turns the ball over. He's just a smooth point guard that can hit a three occasionally. And Dalen Terry's a real X factor here. He's not much of a scorer, but he can defend one through four and play so hard on the defensive end. He's not going to put up big time stats, but he's one of their more important players. Arizona has a point guard that doesn't turn over the basketball. I bet you Illinois would absolutely kill for that right now. I'll tell you that. But no, to your point, Sean, like this Arizona team is really, I mean, they got like a lot of pieces that are just like fun to watch. And you can tell watching them play. I go back to that Michigan game. That's a team that's having a lot of fun playing for Tommy Lloyd and they are having fun playing for each other. They're getting out and running. They're passing the ball around. And it's going to be interesting to see the Coburn and, you know, Coloco matchup because, you know, Coloco is like a deer running on the floor. He's up and down. He's using his length. You know, Kofi's kind of a heavy plotter, but, you know, at the same time, he can put that 290-pound body on him, and I don't know if Coloco will be able to handle that. I think it's an interesting matchup. Uh, I expect Arizona to win this game, and we will give Arizona the most love we can when the people stop calling the Pac-12 the Conference of Champions, when the Pac-12 has been a little smelly this year. How how many teams did the Pac-12 get in the Elite Eight last year? Oh, okay. That was my fault. I, I guess the better question is how many teams did the Big Ten get into the Sweet 16? That was all my fault. I cursed I cursed the Pac-12. I'm sorry, but I'm just saying. Oregon not, State got into the Elite Eight. It's a new year. Where's Oregon State Oregon now? State. Michigan can even win a first oh, four game. Oh, yeah, but wait. That was last year. Sean, jo- join me in this year. Come join me, my friend. We're, we're, it's a new year. Come on in. Come on into the new year. It look, is what it is. You know, look, I, I think that the Pac-12 – it's evident and obvious that the league outperformed even the wildest expectations in the NCAA tournament last year. The problem with this league is, for whatever reason, I I think they almost have to look in the mirror and and do a redesign on how they schedule out of conference. They're getting killed in some of these out of conference games. Like they're, they're, you're killing yourself when you're playing a team out West that could, that could feasibly beat you from the big West or, or from the WCC or from name that league, like the PAC 12 has shot itself in the foot the first couple months by the same token. Is it a league with two teams that could feasibly make it to new Orleans? Yeah. Yeah. UCLA can make it back there. And, and for all intents and purposes, Arizona can make it there. What about USC? Not not a good not a team that's good enough to make the final four. I, I don't think are, so. Are you writing off I don't Oregon so completely either. too? Oregon is not making the final four. Okay, no, oh, you're I, talking final four. Okay, I was yeah, just talking I mean, about yeah. in general. No, no, trans- no, probably what what well, I mean, what is it? A four bid league? Right now, it's probably three. Yeah, probably. it's probably the three. That's it. And that's the problem. Like a team might find itself, but are you racking up quality wins in your league? Mm-hmm. Like Washington State could get there, but they have a big mark on their resume losing to Eastern Washington. Like that's a loss you just can't take. I get Noah Williams didn't play, but you have to find a way to win that game. I don't care if Noah Williams is playing or not. You have to find a way to win that game. Could Arizona win the Pac-12? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I think so too. I think so too. Arizona basketball kind of needed to go through this change, the shift, to get to where they are now. Sean Miller left this program with talent, Mm -hmm. major talent. But they get a fresh face in Coach Lloyd. They have a new flavor. This fits. This fits for them. And 
we cannot underestimate Tucson, that fan base, and the impact of that program. And when you look at this team and the length that they have, again, I, I go back to it. Like, when I watch them play, I see serious rim protection. They make it hard on their opponents. That's a team mm. that makes me very uncomfortable. I like Arizona, too. That's a fascinating game this Saturday in Champaign, a really fascinating game. Um, let's keep it going here. It's 1135, a one-point game tonight. Marquette edges Kansas State, 64-63. Marquette wins this game. Cam Jones, the freshman guard, was a maestro down the stretch. And don't look now, but Shaka Smart is 8-2 and two with wins over Illinois over West Virginia on a neutral floor, over Ole Miss, and at Kansas State. And if you're talking about a team that should be considered this this March, when we talk about like 6, 11, 7, 10, 8, 9 games, Marquette's doing their part. We're not talking about a team that's probably – they're not a top 20 team in America. But Marquette basketball is – Back to having a DNA. Shaka Smart has a program with a DNA. He might not have the best talent on the floor, but they play that much harder, guys. Marquette is playing harder than you. They didn't get right. Yeah, no, they're they're taking they're taking they're basically taking after what their coach is preaching. And you know, Fanny, you pointed out earlier that like sometimes players need a change of scenery to kind of find themselves. So the same goes for coaches like Shaka, you know, granted what he did at Texas was, you know, great, but he kind of started playing a little more of a different style of basketball because he had so much talent on that team and so much turnover. He had so many one and dones, so many guys that just came and get one year, played really well, you know, had really successful seasons. But now you can really see he's kind of getting back to that like VCU Shaka type style. I mean, he's at center court and defensive stance, his whole team is slapping the floor. Like they're just really taking the identity of their coach. Now they do need to find some things offensively. I mean, they like you said, they got that tonight from the freshman Jones, but you know, they still need to find a little bit more than that. You don't want to really depend on a freshman, uh, you know, down the stretch, but really good win. And I'll be honest, I didn't see this coming with Marquette, to be honest with you. I, and it's, it's impressive up to this point. The part for me that makes it even more impressive is that Shaka Smart had to go through an entire roster overhaul this year. You look at what they lost. DJ Carton went pro. Dawson Garcia went to North Carolina. Jamal Kane transferred. Kobe McEwen transferred. They lost just about everybody from last season except for Greg Elliott, and he's really been able to build the program the way he wants to build it, like Carter said. This is a team that will make any opponent uncomfortable because of how hard they play. If you don't come on your A game, Marquette can beat you on any given night because they are going to show up. They're going to give 110% effort every single time they go on the floor. I'm with you on all that. And I think that this group defensively is really sound. Um, And tonight it's Oso Iguodaro, a guy who last season was really a a non-factor for the program, he fits what Shaka Smart wants to do, a mobile big who makes things happen and who makes plays. He makes a game-winning play. They're a team. Tyler Kolek was key in Charleston and making things happen offensively. was huge in the win over West Virginia. Justin Lewis does all kinds of little things for this team and makes big plays too. 
Cam Jones is just a freshman, but when I went to Marquette practice in the preseason, the coaching staff told me Cam Jones has a chance to be a really, really good player. You go on the road tonight to Manhattan. Is it the toughest place in college hoops to play? No, we're not saying that. But playing on the road in college basketball for the first or second time is not an easy feat. I thought he was composed. I thought he made the right plays. This is not a team that plays pretty, but they know who they are. And they do that very well. And there's something to be said about that. They're a different team. They don't do it the most glamorous way. Glamorous, though, in college basketball doesn't always win. In fact, more times than not now, the three- or four-year player who doesn't draw the immediate headline is part of a national championship team more than the one-year player. Marquette basketball has gone through a period where they didn't have a DNA. They didn't, they didn't have a way in a style in a, in a fight. They have a fight. They have a way that they play. They close tonight again. And I'm going to put some respect on their name here this evening because this is now the fourth power conference team that they have beaten. And they're doing it, guys, sometimes stepping on the floor where on paper talent-wise, they probably don't have the edge. Doesn't matter. They play harder than you. They get up in you. And they've got a coach who's motivated. And I was talking with a Marquette administrator before the season. You know what he said to me? He said, Marquette is benefiting from Shaka Smart because Shaka Smart is coming from Texas. And now people think that because things ended poorly at Texas, that the man can't coach. You don't give VCU to a freaking Final Four and not be able to coach, folks. It didn't work out at Texas. Don't equivocate that to an ability to coach or not. He's coaching this ball club up, and a team that was picked ninth in the Big East looks like a top six team in the league. Yeah, they're playing some classic, like, this is like some old school Big East basketball. Like, they're going out and taking the floor, and they're ready to grind shit out. Like, and at, like you said, Fanta, that's going to give you a chance to win every single night. If you got a group of guys who's going out there, and they're like, all right, Let's all lock in. Let's grind this shit out. We're going to win this game no matter how. It might not look pretty, but at the end of the day, we're going to walk off this floor with a W, and that's what matters at the end of the day. So credit to them. Credit to Shaka with that team. It's been, you know, it's been kind of cool to watch. I mean, like you said, it's not the prettiest basketball, but it's something to be said about guys that just play super hard and, like, look like they want to play for their school and play for the guy next to them. And sometimes in college basketball, that gets lost. Like, it's about, you know, saying playing for your brother, playing for your teammates. So – I respect that. I respect the hell out of Shaka Smart for that. Give me a feel, guys. Sean, I'll start with you on this. I know it's, it's, it's on the fly here. It's 1141, but this is what we do on After Dark. Um, conferences. Like, to this point, your top four leagues in America, where do you fall? That's a good question. I would say so far, even though Florida lost, I'm liking what I'm seeing from the SEC. I still think Florida is a really good team. They just got out, out-efforted, it seemed like, against Texas Southern. They were playing harder. And against Florida, that's kind of shocking the way they've been able to play this year. So I'm going to go SEC 1. I think the Big Ten still pretty good. So I'm going to put them in that mix. I'm going to say they're number 2. Big 12, I'm going to put number 3. And then the, can't be the ACC because they haven't been very good. The Pac-12 hasn't been very good. So where are you looking at there? I mean, WCC? I mean, is that crazy? I don't think it's that crazy. Wait, so, wait, I gotta, so are you leaving the Big East out? Uh, the Big East, yeah, that's a good point. I, I kind of forgot about them for a moment. <laughs> I saw Fanta's face, and he was ready to lose it. He was waiting. He's like, 
are you missing somebody? <laughs> yeah, I did did kind of forget them. My, so the I was gonna take my shirt off. I, I would put the biggies fourth. Yeah, that's fair. True. Okay. Uh, let me see here. I, I really would have put the Big Ten, but I think the Big Ten has a super fall off after those top teams, which I didn't think was gonna happen. I thought there'd be a little I more. Agree. I, I agree. Some big disappointments in the Big Ten. Yeah, like I thought Maryland would be a lot better up to this point. Um, you know, a Rutgers, couple teams like that. Rutgers, that? Rutgers should be better. Yeah, Rutgers. Maryland so. just can't shoot the ball. Like that's that's such a problem for them. Like Eric Ayala and Fats Russell, they just can't make shots consistently. And you need your guards to make shots, and they just can't do it. Yeah, honestly, Sean, I don't want st- to. I don't want to be the guy that just copies you, but I think I might be on the same page with yeah, you. Yeah. I think that's exactly where I'd rank them. I'm on that similar page too. Um, and the Maryland thing is interesting because like th- there's been names tossed all over the place. I haven't talked with you guys about this in person. Where do you lean? Like if, if you're Maryland right now, what are you doing? Who are you thinking about hiring? If you have a deep thought, if you have a name that comes to mind, who's that name? I mean, you know, I, I know Goodman, I think, said this. I, you got to try for a guy like Nate Oates because all he does is win basketball games. I don't think it's going to happen, but he's a really good coach. Been to the tournament every single season that had an NCAA tournament. There wasn't one in 2019-2020, so he couldn't have gotten there even though Alabama would have missed. But he missed in his second season at Buffalo. He's been to the tournament every other year. That's who I would say, but I think like more realistic candidates, probably like Kevin Willard, guys like that, that would be a good hire too. Yeah, I think that I think they need to hire a guy who's got a little something more proven. I mean, they could go for like the real fan. I mean, you go for like a guy like Juan Dixon. I mean, name alone, that's well, good. Would the fan know. base like that though, besides that he played for him and won a national championship? I, maybe they maybe they won't look too deep into it. Maybe they'll just look on the surface and looks looks really pretty. Juan Dixon, former Maryland player, that looks, you know, that's cute. That's all well enough, but you know, it doesn't really back it up. But you know, I don't think they're ready for the reset that would happen if that, you know, if they did make a hire like that, because this is a program that is used to competing, you know, in the Big Ten for Big Ten titles, even. I mean, it's a really good team. I've seen a lot of good Maryland teams, a lot of good Maryland players over the years. Uh, I do like that Willard uh, name. I think he would be I think he would do amazing there. Yeah, I've seen that name tossed around quite a bit. I think that'd be a fit that works. It makes sense. He's been a really good coach at Seton Hall. You know, it'd be a tough loss for Seton Hall, but for Willard, I think that's something you definitely have to consider if it comes across across the table. Well, I'm with you on all fronts there. Um, I'm curious to see, like, if you're the Maryland board, which direction that they want to look at here. Um, but if you're looking at a guy who's won and been consistent and gotten it done with lesser resources, uh, look, Kevin Willard's been that guy at Seton Hall and is deserving of that next step in his career. We'll see what happens. We'll see which direction Maryland wants to go, but there's no question that Kevin Mueller should be a candidate for this job and a top three to four candidate for this job. I just don't understand. Like why is Nate Oates leaving Alabama for Maryland? I I, I, I mean, Alabama will always, the thing about it is Alabama is always going to be a football first school. That's bullshit. It's true though. Maryland. All right. No, it's true. No, but, but, but you know what? That shouldn't be the reason why you leave. I don't, I don't know if he is going to leave. Like maybe he won't, but the one reason you probably would is because Maryland is more of a basketball school. Uh, they're full-time basketball. I don't know. How I'll tell you, Maryland I'll tell you right now, if I was are. an Alabama basketball fan or Alabama fan in general, 
I would camp outside the stadium and go on hunger strike if they let Nate Oates walk away. I would hand that man a blank ass check and say, whatever Maryland's giving you, I will give you double that. Yes. Now, yes. I agree. I agree. But do you, know how, do you know how little Alabama looks there? If Alabama's losing any coach to Maryland, it's not a good look for Alabama. You're that Alabama. Is. You have all the money in the world. Also, it's not as if Nate Oates isn't enjoying his time in Alabama. You want to go to a Maryland program that has some unrealistic people about expectations? You want to go to the Big Ten where now you got to beat Illinois, Michigan, Tom Izzo, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Like, the SEC's tough too, but... I like Nate Oates fit at Alabama more than I, I just don't see why he's getting up and leaving Maryland. I don't want to hear he'll never be King um, at, at Alabama, you know? Okay. Okay. But he's still his own King in his office. He's still making money. He could do whatever the hell he wants. So he's not on. So he's not Nick Saban. You can't, you think Nate Oates goes into his office now and it's like, I'll never be King here. Yeah, true. And he dresses better than Nick Saban, so he's always got that over him. <laughs> and if he's leaving for any Big Ten school, he's coming to Michigan State. I'll let you know that right now before he comes to Maryland. Oh, Tony, he's got the Michigan ties. He does. He does. He does. Okay. Mid-major whip around here um, as part of our tip-ins with about 10 minutes left to go. So, Sean Paul, a major underdog? Major underdog won tonight or was winning? Tell us what's mm. going on. Yeah, Idaho stuns South Dakota State, 98 points, 22-point underdogs. I mean, that's a big upset. That's almost as big of an upset as – what's that? Uh, no, I was just saying, damn, that's that's such yeah. big of a spread that if you went to Bet Rivers and put that on the money line, they wouldn't even let you bet it, the spread is so big. That's crazy. Yeah, like this was a home game too. It's not like they're going on the road. This is a home game in their new arena that was built this year, or it was open this year. I think Idaho's going to get things going. They've been a lot more competitive this season. They have some talent coming in via the transfer portal. Mikey Dixon, a transfer, dropped 35 points today, 16 for 16 from the foul line. It's going to take time to get Idaho on the right track, but I think with the new facilities and all that, I think Idaho's going to be headed on the right track here very soon. Beating a South Dakota State team that could win a game in March is very impressive. Now is it my turn to touch on the mid majors? Because I would love to, Sean. If you give me, if you give me, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. yeah. And I'm actually gonna, but I'm actually gonna flip it on you. I'm not gonna talk about a mid major. I'm gonna talk about major mid and our previous team who is mid, and we're going back to the Virginia Cavaliers. Just a just a tough season for Tony Bennett and the gang. Uh, They just uh, a tough loss to James Madison, where they have 14 first half points. Just absolutely mid you hate to see it well no Fanta talked about it earlier though their coaches can only do so much that's kind of what we're seeing with this Virginia team they just don't have the talent like they just don't yeah but but also like their their game plan remains the same like you know what I'm saying like he Tony Bennett is playing his style of basketball but you can't play this style of basketball because you're playing a style of basketball where you hold teams to 50 points but your team can't score 30. So by simple math, that means you're going to lose most of your games. You know what I'm saying? That's true. And we did see this a couple of years ago, uh, two years ago, 2019, 2020, and they got it going. They struggled early in the season. They got it going. 
And uh, the Miller brothers talked about it yesterday. Archie brought it up on here that their defense was number one that year. It's not number one this year. I think it's just going to be a down season for Virginia. I don't know if they can get it going again. I, I just don't think they have enough talent. That's yeah. going to be a thing you have to look at in the portal. You're going to have to get guys that can come in that can shoot the ball. Because I think Kihei Clark's a very good player in his role, but he shouldn't be taking the last shot of a game. That's not what Kihei Clark does. You need a Kyle Guy. You need a Ty Jerome. You need a DeAndre Hunter around him to really lift up Kihei Clark's game. He's not going to be your bucket getter, getter late in the game. And that's kind of what's happened. I think you were hoping Reese Beekman took a step up. That hasn't really happened either. It's just been nothing that you would have thought could have went right for Virginia has gone right. Yeah, they need to get in the ACC play and, you know, just get a nice little win under their belt and maybe get When did they play on. Pittsburgh? Oh, they already played Pittsburgh. They oh, did they play Pittsburgh already? Yeah, they yeah. won by one. They won by one. They won by one. It was they a close one. They won by one. They won yeah, Jaden Gar- Gardner won on a buzzer beater. He did, damn. They need yeah, to find yeah. any way they can schedule a quick game against Washington they, and Missouri just to get, get a nice little win under their belt. They probably pay, play Pitt again, so that's at least another win in there. So you yeah, got, so you got, you got that got to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. All right, that is the mid-major – Minutes. Uh, elsewhere, just briefly in mid majors, Stony Brook wins a local battle with Hofstra tonight, seventy-nine to sixty-two. I like Geno Ford's team. Um, mm-hmm. That's a really interesting group. They brought in some transfers. Jaleel Jenkins from uh, FDU has been fantastic. Bucket getter, yeah. He's a buck. Jaleel Jenkins. If you don't know, folks, you you're sleeping under a rock. That kid is one hell of a player. Um, and that's that's about it on that front. I just saw that Colgate is favored against Pitt tomorrow. So would that that's happen? so funny. It's Hammer honestly Colgate. like Hammer Colgate. Like, <laughs> that's that's honestly crazy though. Like Colgate, it's it's at Pitt, isn't it? Like at Pitt, and they're favored. That's just a sign of things aren't going great. They're favored. All right, let's turn to tomorrow. We got a couple minutes left here. We've talked about all the games for the most part tonight. Tomorrow's games. Top 25 matchup. This is the ranked versus ranked game tomorrow. Number seven, Texas, and number 23, Seton Hall. Texas, let's see what what they have in this matchup with their backcourt versatility. I think that they have a a backcourt edge in this matchup itself. Seton Hall, defensively, has been very sharp. They've been a very good defensive team. The length of Jared Rowe, the length of Miles Kale. Kadari Richmond's played better here in the last week. Great coaching matchup. You've got Kevin Willard and you've got Chris Beard. Mm-hmm. Really interesting game at, at tomorrow night in Newark. Um, Texas Seton Hall, where do you lean? I, I go Texas, but I have a question for you guys. Where would you guess, without looking, where Marcus Carr ranks among Texas scores and points per game? Like, what number is he? I'd probably sit here right now and say fourth. I was going to say like six. He's six. He's the sixth leading scorer for Texas. Six. 8.9 points per game. If Texas is going to win this game like I think they will, they need Marcus Carr to play like the Marcus Carr from before. He needs to take some shots because he is a shot maker. He's a good playmaker too. But Marcus Carr needs to be the leading scorer for this team if they're going to go deep into the NCAA tournament. They have enough talent around him, but Marcus Carr is a dynamic scorer. He's going to be the best scorer on the floor tomorrow, and he needs to play like that if Texas is going to be able to win. I think it'll be a tough defensive battle, but I think Texas will be able to pull it out. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning Texas too. Uh, I think this is one of the teams that Sean mentioned earlier that you know, you bring in so many new pieces, it's going to take some time. Uh, I mm-hmm. think they've had a good amount of – I mean, they've had seven games under their belt right now and a true 
a really great test with Gonzaga game, even though they got blown out, that's a great test for them. Uh, I think they're eventually going to put it together. And like Sean said, Marcus Carr needs to be Marcus Carr. Like right now he's playing like a guy who got some NBA feedback from GMs. And we're like, Marcus, we need you to pass. You know, we need to see your passing. You're a point guard at the next level. Like we need to see you be passing and show us that you're not just a shot maker. Well, right now he's not in the NBA. He's playing at Texas and they need him to get buckets. And he is a certified bucket getter. So go get buckets. That'll make Texas better as a team. You've shown you're capable of it. It's time for him to go do it. I am leading Texas in this game. I think they're the more talented team. And maybe we get a Marcus Carr breakout game here. Well, you know, to your point, like when you look at Texas, and I'm taking a look now, and I see that Andrew Jones struggled from the field in their last game. Um, and even Ramey's, as, as much as he shot 54% from the field, he shot 42% from three. He's averaging 10 a game. Um, I think what determines this, the winner, to your point about Carr, if it's not Carr, is there someone on the floor tomorrow that's scoring 18 for Texas or scoring 20 points for Texas? Jared Roden's going to have to do that for Seton Hall, and he, he can and has mm-hmm. before. They're going to need Miles Kale um, to knock down some perimeter shots. They need Kadari Richmond to play his best game since he transferred in from Syracuse. Bryce Aiken was out in the last game with an illness. Bryce Aiken kind of up and down. The Prudential Center, for those who don't know much about the Rock, it's a place that can get loud for the right night. It will be rocking tomorrow night in this game. I think it's nip and tuck. I I have a feeling that the Hall could pull this off here tomorrow night. I think it's going to be real close. The big, the Big East have been playing too well, Fanta. And as much as I love seeing you happy, I love seeing the glow on your face when the Big East does well. It's time to kind of bring it down just a little notch and come back a little bit. The Big cool. East is playing way too well. Seton Hall wins tomorrow. I might not be able to speak to you for a couple of days. Just like well, that. want to talk about surprising wins though? I think we all need to give some congratulations to our boy Carter Elliott. It's been a good few weeks for him. The Detroit Lions did the unthinkable. <laughs> they won a National Football League game. I know my two guys here have both witnessed completely losing season. Zero wins. Cleveland, Detroit, they both won zero games before. But I really want to congratulate Carter because they did the unthinkable. They won a football game. Thank you. Shout out to Jared Goff, NFC Player of the Week. Was he really? Yes. <laughs> that is honestly shocking. I thought you were kidding. You no, think- I'm serious. Do you think the NFL is like, let's throw them a bomb? Yeah, no, honestly, they did need it. The, the city was buzzing off that one win. I'll let you know that. You, you would have thought we won a Super Bowl. Um, Super Bowl bound. I mean, they wasted the careers of Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. So why don't you just celebrate the one win you can okay, get? Okay, I don't like the way this is going. Fanta, reel us back in, please. <laughs> um, Purdue at Rutgers at the rack. Obviously, anyone that would pick this game is, is probably going to pick Purdue. Um, what do they win by though? I mean, it's like you go to the rack, sometimes weird things happen at the rack. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, I could see this being the single digit game. I could see, I think Purdue wins. I don't know if Purdue blows out Rutgers by virtue of the way Rutgers kind of plays. I know Rutgers lost by 31 at Illinois. It's so different though, game to game. Mm-hmm. I'll say like 12 to 15. I mean, they, they did lose at home to Lafayette earlier in the season. So they- the, the rack magic didn't show up in that one. So I, I think Purdue is going to be able to win like 12 to 15. Yeah, I think I think Purdue, honestly, is this is going to be a, a 
a 15 plus point game. I just, I, I think, you know, the, the whole rack magic thing is nice, but it hasn't really shown itself this year. I don't really think it's going to show itself against a team as quality as Purdue. And I think that Purdue is going to be a team that is focused and coach Painter is going to have them focused coming off this number one ranking. You don't want to have a slip up spot here. Like you want to come out and solidify that you're the number one team in the country, the best team in the country. So this is a game that can do it against a team. They're better than in Rutgers. So I think they do do it. Iowa, Iowa State, I like the Cyclones in this game. I like the way they're defending a little bit more. Um, I like some of the star power that they have. I'm going to go with the Cyclones in this game. I agree, yeah. I mean, they're really tough on the defensive end. T.J. Otzelberger has a really solid squad. Uh, you have some veteran leadership with Gabe Kalsher and Isaiah Brockington, and Tyrese Hunter is one of my favorite players to watch in the country. He's just fun to watch. I'm so torn. Oh, I, I don't know I'm, why I was favored by three and a half. That's surprising. Are you able to pick a big 12 team against a big 10 team? I, that's so tough for me, but I, I, I love Keegan Murray so much. I really do. Uh, it's on the road though. It, it is. It is on the road. So I think I'm going to lead in Iowa state. Yeah, um, there we go. They play extremely hard, but God, it, it kills me to do so, Sean. I'm sorry. I love Keegan Murray. I, I love Keegan Murray too. Yeah. We've all been given Iowa state love. They are unbeaten. You just know Iowa. Like, look, man, Iowa gave Purdue a fight last week. Like, that team's gutsy, too. And if Murray plays the way he's capable of, if they can get some other guys, I think they're defending a little bit better than we thought they would defend. But, man, you kind of said it. Isaiah Brockington's been one of the best players that America is not talking enough about. So you get Brockington and Keegan Murray on the same floor. Should be fun. Last thought here, Sean Paul. Grand Canyon, Arizona State. I kind of like Grand Canyon tomorrow night. Upset? That, I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, last year, Arizona State went to Grand Canyon, wanted on a Remy Martin game winner. They don't have Remy Martin this year, and it's at Arizona State. Arizona State doesn't look great this year. I'm going to go Arizona State close, though. You have two former Arizona State players on Grand Canyon. You know, it can go either way. I'll go Arizona State. Give me the Canyon. I'm going, I'm going with that. It's Antelope's, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, whatever. they're good. I, I like what they have. Hollywood, Javon, Black here. I'm going, they have, yeah, I'm they going have with pieces. the boys. All right, go have a midnight snack, everybody. Thanks to Greg, our producer. Thanks to Sean Paul. Thanks to Carter Elliott. Carter, give your wife a kiss. I'm John Fanta. So long, everybody. We're back tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.